So in this episode of Pop and Play, we're talking reality TV. Yes, and we decided to start with the OG of reality TV, keeping up with the Kardashians. Those people that know me know that I'm kind of obsessed with the Kardashians and not necessarily always in a good or bad way. <laughs> I gotta be honest, Haney, I wasn't exactly excited about prepping for this episode. I mean, I love talking to you, but watching reality TV, even thinking, let alone talking about the Kardashians, it's just, it's a lot for me. I mean, I just think that they have a lot of important influence in our society and culture, so I feel like everyone just ends up talking about them because they're always everywhere. Thankfully, though, you weren't stuck with just talking to me, Haney. Thank God. <laughs> Our friend and colleague, Ioana Literat, joined us to chat reality TV as well as help us to make sense of the culture and communities that exist around these shows. I mean, I also want to note that you kind of got away with one here because we didn't really end up even talking much about the Kardashians at all. Point yeah. me. <laughs> And although we started off talking about keeping up with the Kardashians, we got into some pretty expansive discussions about reality TV. You want to help us reflect on what reality TV is and what it tells us about our society, what it means for freedom and social relationships, and all of the complicated, tense, problematic, joyful things that it tells us about our current cultural moment. Can't wait. Yeehaw. I mean, I feel like in honor of this week's episode talking about the Kardashians, the, the way we really should have done this is like one of us should have like walked in the door and then just like plopped in a in a really big over plush like leather chair and been like, oh, Haney, oh my God. And then I don't know what comes next. <laughs> but that's something like that. What comes next is we eat a salad. <laughs> yeah, we plop in our chairs, we sigh, and then we and then we have somebody bring, else bring us a salad. <laughs> okay, so... I guess I'll start by taking full responsibility for why we're watching this or why we decided to talk about the Kardashians. And I think we were talking about maybe going with our relevant interests. So you did the intellectual role playing and thinking about gaming and what social life <laughs> of gaming is like, right? So people have written about that. It's very respected in yeah. academia and all of those other disciplines <laughs> right. and yeah. spaces. Yes. And I was like, well, can we just watch reality television? Because we all know that that is also an intellectual academic thing. Absolutely. Um, and that came from, and I think that this actually came from a lot of people's pandemic viewing habits. Um, mm. I uh, I kind of always liked reality television. I don't know why I was very drawn into it ever since the real world in the 90s right. um, when I was like one. Uh, wait, what? That's not, that's a lie. <laughs> I'm actually like Gen Z millennial. <laughs> but, um, but I think during the pandemic, my reality television viewing habits increased by like triple fold beyond what I was doing. Um, because one, there were a lot available. And two, it was just like a an escape almost as to like real life. And so that's kind of why we decided to go with a reality classic, Keeping Up With The Kardashians, which you kind of knew a little bit about, Nathan, no? I think I'm aware of it in the same way that I think everyone probably on the planet, but certainly everyone in the United States are is aware of it. So here's what I knew about the Kardashians. I knew uh, about keeping up with the Kardashians. I knew it was a show about uh, Kim Kardashian and her family. Uh, I knew they were super rich, and I knew that it was probably going to mostly be about them 
doing super rich things and and complaining about you know how difficult life is that that was like my that was my expectation going uh-huh. in which partly accurate partly you're right i didn't i had no idea how many how many seasons there were there are so many seasons 20 that's an insane number of seasons 20 seasons and we watched uh a bit of an episode from from this season season 20 the ripe old age of 20 and we also watched a bit of season one i believe right yeah the first episode actually yeah my recollection of us all watching keeping up with the kardashians together was that they were not even part of it (laughs) i don't actually remember watching it that much but i feel like we ended up not even talking about them that much but i'm curious about you and i don't i know this is we've had this discussion before so i know this is not the Kardashians are not like your favorite show on the planet or anything like that. But, but how, how do, what is it about uh, this, this show in particular or, or other similar types of shows that, that, that you enjoy? What, what is the, what is the thing that makes you enjoy them? What makes them fun? What makes them playful for you? I don't know. It's just like the spectacle of it all. Right. Like I feel like a lot of people who talk about play, right. Have talked about that, right. Like the spectacle of play, like it being, you know, I hate to be like throwing Bakhtin in here, but like very like carnival-esque, right? Like you don't know what's going to happen. People are just making fools of themselves all the time. No one cares what everybody else thinks. There's no like hierarchy or respectability. You just kind of do what you want to do. Um, and I kind of like the whole like spectacle of it and the fact that we can engage in this spectacle of yeah watching this thing. Is it okay to enjoy watching keeping up with the kardashians or is it or is that in and of itself somehow or another you know a problem you know i think similar to like when kids play with violent themes right or Mm -hmm. video games like how do we how do we square that circle do we constantly want to police content or do we want to give people the tools to think critically about this content and the agency yeah. to decide for themselves, right? And I think, how do we decide what kind of content is acceptable and what isn't, right? And um, and then if we continue to do that, like, where's the line where we're like, okay, now we're going to make, because then there's a danger of like making all content, like a certain kind of normed content that reflects like some dominant person's view. Right. And so that's happened yep. for a long time where everything is about like whiteness and propagating like a dominant middle white class culture. And you could do yeah. that by policing content. Right. Or yeah. do we create tools for people to kind of engage? Right. You know, this is this is the question, right? Is it fun to engage with this ugliness? Yeah, I think there's like a platform for it and people just like watching drama. Like everybody talks about how they hate it, but then they love it. So I I like I like drama as much as the next uh, the next guy gal whoever. I but but I but the kind of drama that I enjoy is uh you know, I I I don't really enjoy the the Kardashian type drama. I don't really enjoy the housewives type drama. Um you know, there's other reality TV that I can certainly enjoy. I, I was saying earlier when we were just chatting that that uh, I love to watch something like The Great British Bake Off, right? The other reality TV show I used to like to watch was um, Project Runway. And both of these shows are shows structured around competitions 
they are competitions. Uh, Project Runway is a competition of, of fashion designers, and and the Great British Bake Off is a competition of uh, home bakers, uh, English home bakers, right? Um, but in each case, the they are trying to showcase their particular skills. They're trying to showcase you know what they're good at, and the sh both shows are not structured around winning at all costs, you know, destroying your competition so that you can come out victorious. And in fact, in, in both of those shows, I, I, you know, I've watched the Bake Off more recently, so I can maybe say, speak to that one, but in Bake Off, people are frequently helping each other. You know, somebody's running late, they're behind, and somebody comes over and says, how can I help you? What can I hold? What can I do? And, they, and they're helping each other because they recognize that their, their winning is about their skill, not whether or not the other person is good or not, right? And, and so that that's drama that I can really get excited by. Um, and that makes me better, I think, than than you. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so but I guess would the Kardashians be like another form of a sort of like play game, right? Like perhaps we have these competition shows, which I enjoy a good competition show. I love Project yeah. Runway. I love Top Chef. I've watched that like so much. Like I used to have like yeah. little watching parties at my house. <laughs> Top Chef and Top Project Chef. Runway. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like a fun thing to watch with other people. And that is a like a type of game and type of play. Yeah. I also think like watching Kardashians is also a type of game, a type of play. It's just a different kind of game that you don't want to play. <laughs> I I don't think I see it. That <laughs> feels like a stretch to me. <laughs> well, how is it a game? Help me understand. I mean, I firmly believe that I think we had this conversation at the beginning about are they the cast? Are they characters? Are they people? Right. And I right. really think that they are playing characters like they know who they're playing and they're playing that character really well. And I think about like, sure. I think I told you this already that um, I was what listening to I think I, okay I might have watched like 20 minutes of a Paris Hilton documentary that came out recently <laughs> and Paris Hilton was like Kim Kardashian's like kind of like footstool to fame right because Paris Hilton right. was like really popular she had that reality huge. show simple yeah. life and back when you were back when you were one she was back when she I was, was one I barely knew about her <laughs> um she I'm just kidding I was like full-fledged adult but Paris Hilton, like, you know, she was just like another rich, like, socialite that just, like, walked around, like, being so annoying. And her, I forgot what her tagline was. It was like, that's hot. That's hot. She would just say it all oh, the time. Yeah. 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 And one thing that she said in that documentary was basically, like, I was playing a character. Like, that's not even how she talks. Like, she just figured out how to do that, like, uh, that's hot. You know, like, she just did it. And she just played a character because she knew the character that she had to play. And I found it right. to be really fascinating, right? Because that character that she played so well and our engagement and our willingness to play with her, like created right. this character, a caricature of a person, right? And I think they're kind of doing the same thing. I think they're creating characters and they're really good at it. That seems right to me. But 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 I, th I, I think the thing that, that's so weird about it, and maybe this is just... A hang-up is like we that's the same as every other television show right that people are playing characters we don't assume that the you know the actor and the character are the same person and we sort of suspend our disbelief we uh engage with the story and the drama or whatever that unfolds 
right? Uh, but there's something in reality TV show. There's also this second, the second layer here where you, you you suspend your disbelief that that the character and the and the person are separate. You you sort of choose to believe this is actually how Kim Kardashian is, or you choose to believe that this is actually the life of Paris Hilton, right? And that and that brings you some sort of joy there as well. So. I don't quite know what to do with that, but it does seem to be, you know, it's essentially what you're getting at is an actor in a TV show is no different than Paris Hilton uh, on her TV show or Kim Kardashian on her TV show. But the difference is the, the way in which we enjoy it in one is, ah, this is drama. This is a play. This is fantasy. And the other is, aha, this is this is real life. <laughs> and that's just like a weird, I don't know what to do with that. That's just a weird thing. Yeah. I mean, sometimes like, didn't you ever watch a movie where you know this person, this actor was playing a fictional character, but then you ascribed those characteristics onto that person? Yeah. You know, like, if you yeah. like Tom Hanks, right? Do we really know if Tom Hanks is the nicest person in the world? I don't know. But he always plays someone really, like, thoughtful and kind on, on screen. And you're like, yeah, I like him. <laughs> you, you take Tom Hanks' name out of your mouth. <laughs> Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I oh, mean, totally, I'm thinking totally. about, yeah. yeah, like I'm thinking about that Deborah Messing quote that I, that tweet that I shared with you where, you know, Kim Kardashian uh, was hosting Saturday yeah. Night Live recently, which I will say, like, I think she actually did a good job, but most of it was making fun of herself. And that's always the best SNL yeah. <laughs> is true. when people are willing to make fun of themselves, which she's able to do 100%. But the tweet was basically, you know, why Kim Kardashian? I mean, I know she's a cultural icon, but SNL has hosts generally who are performers who are there to promote a film, TV show, or album launch. Am I missing something, said Deborah Messing? And I think it goes back to your quote, your what you just said, right? Like, yeah. I mean, how do we decide who is worthy of being called a or playing a character well? You know, like, I would say right. she's actually playing a character really well. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah, I you know I might roll my eyes at at Kim Kardashian, you know, but I, yeah, no, I don't. I, the idea that somehow or another she's not worthy of hosting SNL seems very petty. Haney, <laughs> um, you had a you had a, I thought a delightful game that you prepared for us to play today, and I, I have a feeling I'm going to lose terribly at it, but but I'd like to play it. All right, so. I wanted to start off by giving you a bunch of quotes. Um, and I'm just going to say them. I'll try to say them in the way that they would say them, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, <laughs> and you have to guess which one of the Kardashian Jenners said it. Okay. Okay. I'll start with this one. Um, okay. So I feel like every year has a new energy. And I feel like this year is really about like, the year of realizing stuff. Everyone around me, we're all just realizing things. <laughs> <laughs> you are killing, killing the acting here. Um, so I, we have established already that I don't know these characters very well at all. And I will tell you that I have in front of me right now a, a, a sheet of each with each of the pictures of each of the characters and their names underneath the sheet because because I don't remember who's who so that's what I'm, I have a cheat sheet here I'm gonna that that quote though um, it sounds very uh, sort of 
Kim Kardashian-esque. Is it, is it Kim? It is not Kim. Oh, um, is it Chloe? No, it's not Chloe. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I'm going to stop guessing then. Who was it? It is the youngest. It's Kylie. It's Kylie. Kylie said this, yes. Okay. Because that's how she'd like to think that a new year has been for her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. When I say the next quote, I'm going to say that this is like expansive of the main characters in the Kardashian clan. Okay. Okay. So remember we have like Scott Disick, who is, do you remember who he is? Yes. He's married to somebody or was married to somebody. Um, Uh Uh-huh. And he was very annoying. Uh, uh, who, he was married to Courtney? Yes, to Courtney. Okay. The oldest Kardashian. And they've been right. together for a really long time, but he's just like yeah. this. Yeah. Okay. So the next quote is I like to work as little as possible and make as many dollars as possible. <laughs> okay. So was, were you saying when you were trying to set this up, were you saying that? This is a Scott Disick, Dis- what's his name? Scott Dis- Disick-like character, or, because it sounds like this, that could be him, right? Yes. Ding, ding, okay. ding. Yeah. You, you got that right with no help from me. <laughs> yeah, right. What if I told yes, you the answer very before on I asked the question? Okay. okay. Last one. All right. I'll cry at the end of the day, not with fresh makeup. <laughs> Chris. No. Oh. Kim? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I think it would be one of those two. Yes, she has a famous line where she just says, I'm not going to cry right now. I'm going to cry at the end of the day. That, she doesn't want to mess up her makeup. That's pretty deep, though. There's, there's, a, there's, there's something there. That was hard. No, I think it was pretty good. I liked you. It's not, it's not the answer. <laughs> it's, it's the, the journey. <laughs> it's the journey. So we're going to have guests on soon. And I think the thing that we are left still with is how to think about like what, like what do we find acceptable? How do we navigate the really messy terrain of play that makes us feel a certain way, whether one, we don't like it, whether we're uncomfortable with it, whether it brings up a lot of tensions that we want, you know, we want children, youth, adults, you know, to push up against, like what happens when we encounter those things that don't necessarily follow that trajectory that we want um you know is there space to watch reality television or should we just all stop watching it so that we can make a better world quote unquote (laughs) okay so today we have our very good friend yoana good friend to both of us good friend to the pod (laughs) um how are you doing hi i'm so excited to be here I feel like I'm a guest host on, on like RuPaul's Drag Race or one of those, you know, panels. <laughs> and always that's what they say. I'm so excited to be here. I've been a fan for a long time, but it's true. <laughs> long time listener, first time guest. Can I start by asking a question, Yuana? You, you have a lot of expertise, both formally and informally, in, uh, in reality TV. Can I just ask why? Like, what, what is it? <laughs> what is it that draws you to this? particular form of, yeah. of media i also want to ask myself why <laughs> um and i think the answer is that it's always been social for me um it started in college 
with <laughs> what some would say the golden age of reality TV, you know, Shot at Love with Tila Tequila, yeah. the Flavor Flav series, I Love New York, all those, you know, classic reality TV. That's the golden age? I would, yeah, some would say. I qualified it oh, by wow. saying some would say. All right. I think I would include myself in the some people. The some. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we were all watching it, you know, in our dorms together with my roommates. Um, and those were some of my most cherished memories when we were watching them together and commenting. And we were, you know, young people from so many different backgrounds and, and different cultures. And this thing just brought us together with Franzia wine <laughs> on Wednesdays and Thursdays. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, even now, sometimes I watch with my old roommate on FaceTime. I'm really happy that now Apple introduced this feature where you can actually watch together on FaceTime. I can't wait until the kids go to bed so I can watch it with my sister-in-law. Like, it's definitely a bonding yeah. social thing. Uh, and when I don't have anyone to comment with, I go to Reddit, you know, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk a lot about my involvement yeah. on this Reddit forums. But it all really goes to show that it is quintessentially social for me. Um, and it's all about commenting and interpretation and then that process of commentary and interpretation. And now we're commenting and interpreting that process. So it's very meta. I mean, tell us what these Reddit groups actually look like. <laughs> what, what is happening? How did you join it? The first one I joined was for 90 Day Fiance, which I would say is my go-to uh, reality <laughs> TV. I don't even want to call it a series. It's a metaverse now. If I had to pick for you, that would be the one I would pick for you to watch because I think it's fascinating. Um, so it's all about Americans that are in relationships with foreigners. And then they apply for this K-1 visa, which is a fiancé visa, where they come to the U.S., the foreigner comes to the U.S., and they have 90 days to either marry or leave. So that's why it's called 90 Day Fiancé. Oh, okay. I love it because of the cultural aspects, like whether the, the American goes abroad or the foreigner comes here, it's really fascinating to me just what parts of that culture are being highlighted. Right. And of course, what parts are being like hidden, yeah. Is it mostly like women that come that are the 90 day fiance? You would, you would think so, but it's a mix of both, yeah. Oh, good. It's, a, it's quite a, a good balance of both. Uh, I think to me, you know, if we are to be um, frank, it's also relatable. I, I'm an immigrant married to an American. <laughs> um, and I just, I love these dating shows. And so I joined this Reddit forum for 90 Day Fiance because I really wanted to have people to comment with. And... I just really got sucked in. It re when I joined, it was very, very small, so it felt very intimate. Like, we knew each other's usernames, you know? We knew uh, we were really creating social relationships and friendships because the forum was really... Where it, it felt intimate and small. And then we also used to meet in person. We, we used to go and see, like, the season premiere or the season finale in these bars in Chelsea. Uh, but now those... Because the popularity of the show grew, those forums really exploded as well. So now yeah, I'm still on them. I'm on the Reddit sub subreddits for all the shows that I watch, but it doesn't have that intimacy um, and that, that intimate feel that it had at the beginning. Yeah, it looks like there is 284,000 users. Right. Users, yeah. 
And you ask, like, what goes on there? I guess, yeah, it's all about commentary. And for me, the pleasure lies in thinking about my, what my interpretation is and kind of comparing it to how others are interpreting it. Yeah, like holding up your ideas, your interpretations against others. Um, and sometimes the interpretations match up and sometimes they don't. And when they don't, I really like understanding how others see it and how they interpret the same content. And I learn a lot based on that too. One thing that's a clear and obvious kind of uh, corollary here is is sports, right? But I wonder if part of our... Part of the draw to this is that this still it, it, today, especially, it, it feels like a safe place for us to disagree and to argue. Like we can have debates and we can have conversations, um, and we can sort of, you know, kind of get quote unquote angry at each other for having a different interpretation of an event. But it still is, in many ways, not the same as a lot of the other debates we're having in the world, where those become so divisive that it's tough for us to sort of see past them. Uh, like to, to, to engage with each other beyond those, you know, if, if we're on opposite sides of that debate. Whereas here, I could think your your theory of that particular, you know, couple on 90 Day Fiance is nonsense, but, um, you know, we could still probably watch the next episode together. Yeah, I think... Maybe I'm going too far. <laughs> no, I don't think you're going too far. I love that parallel. Um, it's also interesting to me from an academic perspective how the different forms are even dealing with more political or divisive content, because now, you know, everything is political and so much of reality TV is about identity too. So the different forums yeah. have different roles about how you can or cannot engage um, in the more divisive kind of um, conversations. But I love your parallel to sports, and it really reminded me of what I was talking about before with um, going to, to watch the season finale in that bar in Chelsea yeah, totally. because that, that was a sports bar because totally. we chose it because it had TVs. Like, that was our Reddit filter, yeah. which I had never used before, like, has TV. Um, <laughs> and and uh, we basically took over that bar. It was Sunday because 90 Day Fiancé is always on Sundays, and there was football on TV. <laughs> <laughs> and there were people in there watching football, and then we descended upon the bar, and we're like, we want 90 Day Fiancé instead of the game on all these TVs. And then the group just started getting... They, they started us on one TV, and we were in one little corner, and then the group just started getting bigger and bigger, and we were taking over more and more TVs. <laughs> That's awesome. I respect that totally. And, and they probably wow. thought we're such weirdos. <laughs> And are they wrong? No. <laughs> They're not wrong, but but so but it's not any weirder than a, a you know a, a Mets fan or, or whatever. Like it's I mean, it, it is a little bit weirder because we also had bingo games and you know prizes and <laughs> some people came dressed up as their favorite characters from the show. So it is a little bit weirder. If we are to be honest. All right, I don't know. I, I, I think I I think I disagree, and and I think people who are interested in a sports team or a particular sport, we, we take it very far. I mean, I think we got fantasy football, and we got and we have everybody's wearing each other's jerseys, and I mean, it is it is the same. It's just a more kind of acceptable form of it for from a societal standpoint. I mean, I also think that I I mean I really like that argument, but to play devil's advocate, I also think that some of those really light topics can actually end up very divisive, right? Because mm -hmm. I think about, um, like, my husband, Neil, went to Michigan State. So we went to this one bar 
where Michigan State was playing Michigan, and they were like a bunch of Michigan fans, like mostly, and then like a yeah, corner yeah. of Michigan State fans, and everybody was like just talking shit to each other, and this one guy yeah, like yeah. threw a chair. <laughs> he threw oh. a chair in the bar. It was a little intense. Yeah, you may be right. Maybe, maybe, I t maybe I assumed that you could have disagreements, but you know, maybe, maybe you can have those disagreements if you're watching the same team. But if you, <laughs> if you're on different teams, maybe it becomes more of a problem. Could be really intense, right? So I feel like anything can be really intense. I think it happens in play, right? Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. a very innocent game of like playing whatever can turn very, very intense. I've seen it. And to me, so not to make it, you know, to make it too geeky or bring it too much closer to my research interests, but I do think about this a lot in terms of like moderation and governance. Like what is allowed, for instance, on on the main 90 Day Fiance subreddit. Um, some people think that it's overly moderated, that you can't really have these really um, uncomfortable sometimes conversations or, or, or heavy or, or political conversations. So because of this feeling that it's too moderated, there was actually a splinter group called 90 Day Fiancé Uncensored that, that yeah, splintered off from, from the main subreddit and now has really grown. I'm part of both because I really like to see how the conversations and the discourse is different. Um, but I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, oh, that's really cool. Um, I have a question. So for people that don't know, or I guess I don't know because I don't really participate in Reddit, what's the mm -hmm. difference? So why did you choose Reddit as your platform of choice? This goes back to your <laughs> interest in online, right? Because yeah. sometimes people use Twitter, right? And follow mm -hmm. certain people and they talk about television shows on there in real time, right? They Some mm -hmm. people use like Facebook groups or whatever. So why Reddit versus the other ones? I like the the way that the conversations are structured, right? That there's a thread and then all the different comments that they integrate media really well. I would say it's also not just an online community for me. You know, the example that I gave about actually meeting up in a bar and watching this together is, um, really illustrates that. Or for instance, for the holidays, we have a gift exchange. This is my coffee mug. You see it? You can, so it's Darcy from... 90 Day Fiance, smoking a cigarette and having a meltdown. This is a very, a very famous scene <laughs> when she was saying, I'm not a needy woman. I don't know if you can see it. So this is, <laughs> I got this from a fellow Redditor that I don't even know who they are. I got it for Christmas as part of our Christmas exchange last year, and I gave someone else something, and this year I'm participating again. I'm curious, so um, Reddit in general is, I, I have found to be a, a bit of a dramatic place. Um, I, you know, like, I feel like there's all, you mentioned the sort of schism in the in the uh, subreddit and all that. Like, is is a, is the reality show, is a 90 Day Fiance subreddit more or less, less dramatic or just the same level of drama as the rest of, <laughs> like, is there something about reality TV that draws this the need for drama or, like, is that is that assumption completely false that we I think we often have? I would say it's less dramatic than Reddit as a whole. I found this even in my research that pop culture can really be a bridge that brings people together in a comparatively more civil way. <laughs> yeah, because there's that acknowledgement that you know we might differ on 
politics or, or you know, opinions on, on certain issues, but we do have something in common. Like, we're starting from this common ground, even if that common ground is this silly, fake reality TV show. <laughs> and I think there's definitely, at least on 90 Day Fiancé, but on, on other ones too, but there's an openness towards learning from each other, which I really appreciate. Like, for instance, there will be an immigration lawyer that is sharing their input into the K-1 visa process. Or cultural experts, like, I don't know, there's going to be an Indian person giving their perspective as to why Sumit's divorce was such a big deal, right, in Indian society. Um, Or sometimes it's different perspectives that are rooted in identities. like, uh, I don't know, a queer person talking about um, the first gay relationship in the 90 Day Fiancé universe or, um, you know, how realistic that is in the Mexican context. So I really get to learn a lot because these are perspectives I could never have or, or even claim to fully understand based on my own identity. So I don't want to make it too sappy, but really encountering these perspectives in these forums is a, a really powerful learning experience for me. Yeah. So I'm, so this might be a follow-up question. So I'm thinking about how in these subreddits, you're privy to how a lot of different people are interpreting the same thing that you're watching, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the reality television critique always, which I think is not something that we need to talk about here because everybody knows that it's like problematic, has its own mm-hmm. issues and, you know, all of that. And so... I guess as you're looking at all these different people's interpretation involved in this metaverse, right? Like, what do you, how do you think people should approach watching things like this in general? Um, like, are there tools to take up? Are there ways that people can come to the conclusions that you do, like, know interesting perspectives, have an idea of like analyzing that or thinking about it? Like, what's your, Put your researcher educator hat on and what are some tools, <laughs> critical tools that people should think about when they engage with maybe mm-hmm. problematic media? Right. Well, so much of it is about media literacy, right? And media literacy itself is rooted in representation. Um, and a lot of the problematic aspects of these shows are about uh, representation, how, um, you know, women or, or um, minorities or even culture at large is, is represented in these shows. And so media literacy is definitely a way to engage with these shows and to turn this discourse into um, a valuable exercise and, and to turn it into a um, learning opportunity. Um, Tell us what you I- mean by media literacy. Well, I feel like now the discourse around media literacy has kind of been overshadowed to a certain extent by misinformation, fake news, but it's really about being smart (laughs) about media and not only consuming media, but also producing media. That's another part that has kind of been overshadowed because now the emphasis is so much on consumption. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's an opportunity to use examples from these shows as um, examples of the importance of media literacy. Um, We can use these reality TV shows as resources, as tools, right, to stimulate media literacy and to stimulate a a deeper understanding of not only representation, but also even how the larger media ecosystem works, because they do say so much about, you know, how media is made and shared and interpreted and even what parts of culture 
are valued and foregrounded and what parts are not. It says so much about the production process. Like there's just so many ways in which you can use this um, as insight into media cultures at large. I made a bet with the students that I'll use um, an example from The Bachelor in every lecture. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> and that was kind of a, a, an interesting process to me. It was like a, a dare to me, right? A challenge for myself to, to see, can I really use this as an illustration of these very different cultural dynamics that I'm talking about, right? From um, global cultural dynamics to like semiotics to you know, Adorno and Horkheimer's culture industry to, <laughs> to Marxism and, and all these different theories that we were learning about. And the Bachelor kind of became one common ground or a common denominator, one example that was threaded throughout, throughout the course. And I also find often that parody really helps highlight these more problematic areas and stimulate media literacy. Um, I haven't used it in class, but I really love parody reality TV shows like the Joe Schmo show. Have you ever seen that? What is that? Um, or like SNL sometimes does reality TV parodies. The Joe Schmo show was great because it kind of turned the reality TV premise, I guess, on its head. It was all these, all these actors and just one actual person that thought that he's a contestant on the reality TV show. But everyone else around him were actors, and they were, you know, in engaging in these really over-the-top situations to kind of test the limits of this one regular guy. Mm. <laughs> I really recommend it because it, it exposes these... Um, the, art the artifice, I guess, of the format. It exposes the archetypes, the different characters in reality TV shows because each of these actors is basically representing one of those archetypes. Did they have to take it off the air because the, the normal person ended up killing so many of the actors in the last season? Like, I can't handle it! <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they took it off the air because I loved it. But you could see that it wasn't very uh, successful. The last season was, like, on Spike TV. Like, who even watches Spike <laughs> right. TV? Um, but beyond the media literacy, you know, to go back to your question, beyond the media literacy part... I think there's also a way to use these reality TV shows to advocate for a space for enjoyment, I guess, and a space for negotiated readings. Hmm. I feel like our conversations about media are often about, you know, what's good and what's bad and what's good popular culture and what's bad popular culture and what kind of like what you have the right to enjoy and what you shouldn't enjoy. Um, and right. that's part of the reason why I really like yeah. talking about it and, and outing myself as such a huge fan of reality TV show. <laughs> because in, in a formal educational context, I like how my talking about The Bachelor in class or, or talking about Nadia Fiancé at Mask Lab happy hour, I feel like it opens me up as a whole person, mm -hmm. right? A whole person that sometimes has less than lofty pleasures and hobbies. I mean, I totally agree That's with great. that because I think that happens like around children and youth play, right? Like yeah. we yes. kind of decide what sorts of things are acceptable or able to come into this, you know, bounded place of a classroom or bounded place of like, you know, things that we're, that we think we can watch. Yeah. And yeah. even the home. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe it's like I a call to us to think about like what other things might open up different kinds of ideas and play and perspectives. 
maybe this is a good time to to ask about you know if you were pitching a new reality TV show, like what are what let's let's think of some new real. I came up with a couple. I'm curious if you guys had a chance to think of some new reality TV shows to put out into the world. Maybe maybe Spike TV is listening. Um, <laughs> maybe Netflix is is looking for some new shows. I mean, the reason why we wanted to ask this question too is that it is really hard, right? And this is how we can appreciate Chris mm-hmm. Jenner is that I read this <laughs> article about her, about how sometimes like she gets together with like her production team or people mm-hmm. um, and they just kind of like pitch ideas for reality television shows. And some of them like she's actually done and they flop and others she kind of does it, right? And it works. And so mm-hmm. they, I just think it's like so much harder to come up with an idea, right? I think about like, even when I have to write papers or do a presentation, like yeah. it's, actually kind of hard to see it through. Do you want me to start? I can start with one if you'd like. Well, I've got one for um, for like ESPN or, or maybe I don't know, there's probably like an NFL channel. Um, and that, uh, that, that is, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen those mic'd up videos that, that the NFL used to always do. So whenever the game's on, they'd be like, okay, now we're mic'd up with, you know, the coach or we're mic'd up with the linebacker. And you'd hear you'd hear them talking during the game. They'd be like real amped up. You know, they'd be yelling at each other. They'd be like, you know, dancing and singing because they were happy about the play they just did. I think we need a mic'd up eight and under edition, that is just um, kids, you know, playing soccer, playing t-ball, and it's them, uh, you know, cheering each other on, or it's the parents on the sidelines saying like absurdly, you know, useless things like hustle, you know, get the ball. I think mic'd up eight and under edition would be pretty awesome. I love that. I would watch it. I would definitely watch it. I would not only watch that, but also create a subreddit about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, I have two related pitches. Um, kind of like the opposite of undercover boss. You know, undercover boss, where the boss disguises themselves as, as an employee. Well, this is the opposite of that. So kind of like a lowly employee or or someone that doesn't usually have power of decision, but whose life is directly affected by these decisions made above them, would get to be in charge. I don't know if for a day or I don't know the the logistics of that. But even like, okay, imagine like a a student running TC for a day. Uh, (laughs) or, Or something where... The, the little guys are in charge. I want to, you know, shock the system, but I also want lasting change. I have a conference next week um, for literacy that I have to go to, and I have to facilitate this um, study group with two of my grad school friends who also mm. now have tenure. And our session is called The Road to Tenure. And mm. we were texting <laughs> back. Go with each other and we're like oh my god what are we gonna do for this what are we supposed to be doing right now and I was like this would be a much better reality show than a presentation um and then at the end of it if you win if you you get you get tenure (laughs) (laughs) can't be any worse than the real process So usually on Pop and Play, we do a segment called What's Popping, which is basically what is interesting to you or interesting to our guests about pop culture and this moment. So we're going to go right to our guest, Ioana, who's going to tell us what's popping for her. I want to hear what Ioana is. What's popping for Ioana? Ioana, what's popping? 
Besides 90 Day Fiance. Yeah, does it have to be on reality TV or no? No, no, it could be anything. It could be any any media that you're, like, really <laughs> engaging with right now. Um, ooh, another one that I want to recommend to you guys that is definitely popping for me right now that doesn't really get a lot of love or attention is Small Town News on HBO. Oh, I saw a preview for that. Is that good? It's so good. It's so good. It's just five episodes, I think, and they're like half an hour each, but it's so good. It's about this, yeah, small town news station in the middle of the Nevada desert and how they're surviving and covering the news and covering the election and and how that reflects like the larger politics in that community and among the staff. And I found myself loving it, and it's such a good... um, I don't know, glimpse into how the media works, you know, speaking of um, ways to understand the larger media ecosystems, like, that is a perfect text for that, too. And I just, I was expecting to enjoy it on, like, more of an intellectual level, I guess, but I was so engaged throughout, and it's funny, and it really made me laugh and cry, honestly. Watch it. You wanna? Thank you so much for being here. It is always a delight to see you and talk to you and I haven't gotten to do that enough in the past few years with this whole pandemic thing going on so thanks for hanging out with us and for helping us try to really understand and wrap our heads around all there is to to learn about not just reality tv but all the ecosystems and meta conversations that are happening around them that was that was super awesome thank you it was great being here thank you for inviting me um I hope I did you know at least not change your minds, because Nathan, I think you're still going to be a hater of reality TV and the Kardashians. <laughs> Nathan <laughs> has a newfound love now for reality TV. <laughs> I doubt that, but I'm glad that at least I could tell you why why it speaks to me and, and why I get enjoyment <laughs> from it. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. So glad Joanna could join us to teach us the important lessons of 90 Day Fiance subreddit etiquette. Nathan is looking forward to joining one himself. You can also catch him on the next episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Pop and Play is produced by Haney Yoon, Nathan Holbert, Lalitha Vasudevan, and Joe Rina Ferry at Teachers College, Columbia University with the Digital Futures Institute. This episode was edited by Jen Lee and Billy Collins. For a transcript and to learn more, visit tc.edu slash popandplay. Our music is selections from Lee Feeders by Poddington Bear, used here under a Creative Commons attribution non-commercial license. This episode was assistant produced by Lucius Banjo. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.